how are we doing everybody on a, whatever day it is to you uh we are here to talk about some ufc 266 just a couple of days out from one of the wildest pay-per-views we've had in, in recent memory and uh we're gonna dive a little bit into that a lot of bit into that actually and then hit some high spots on the uh the fight night just a few days away from us right now and the swing of things are the ufc but yeah coming off uh, an insane card uh, John Mosley joined by the man himself, as always, Steven Jensen, man, uh, man, it, it was a, it was a good weekend, especially with, uh, with how much we really got out of this pay-per-view. Yeah, for sure. I mean, high expectations going into it, two title mm-hmm. fights. And then of course the return of Nick Diaz against Robbie Lawler. Got a lot of thoughts on a lot of this stuff. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was a really good pay-per-view. Definitely worth the money in my opinion. And, uh, yeah, a lot of stories coming out of it. A lot of, uh, a lot of questions too. So looking forward to, to diving in on this. Well, let's get right to it, man. You said a lot of questions and a lot of answers out of this. One of the answers being uh, Alexander Volkanovsky may not be human. Um, I, I the, the submission attempts put on by T-City in that third round. Uh, I mean, it will go down in history. One of the best rounds in MMA, one of the best fights of the year of uh, I don't know how many years. I mean, that's always a fun discussion, but our main event featherweight title Still wrapped around the waist of Alexander Volkanovsky with a decision, a unanimous decision win over T-City Brian Ortega, 49-46, uh, 50-45, 50-44. No doubt about it, uh, a, a very impressive win by Volkanovsky. But T-City, man, in that third round, tell me, like, how – we – I was watching with Brett. We both twice was like, that's it. Um, so how are you reacting watching this fight unfold? Dude, it, it was wild. And and those of you, you all listening to this, you can actually see my reaction. Um, we did a Fightful fight night. So uh, YouTube.com slash Fightful. We watched the the co-main, the main, and the uh, the Diaz-Lawler fight. So you can check that out. I, I, I was, I mean, we were freaking out. Like, <laughs> I mean, it really, I, I can't believe he survived the guillotine, like the mounted right. guillotine. Um, Volkanovsky himself after the fight even said, like, he, like, he was close to being done there. Like he, he could acknowledge how close that was. Um, and then the triangle choke was like, it was almost like a, uh, for wrestling fans, kind of like the undertaker and Brock Lesnar, uh, not the WrestleMania match, but the one where like, they both like sat up and like stared each other down from the ground. Um, it was kind of like that with, with the, the triangle choke because Volkanovsky's in the triangle and it's deep. But the way that they're sat on the ground, they're just looking each other right in the face. I mean, like right at each other. And Volkanovsky's face is like turning blue. And like Ortega's like, you know, his face is, you know, destroyed because like he'd been getting beat up on the feet. So like that was a surreal, this, the submission attempts were just two very surreal moments. Um, and they looked very, very close. Like Alexander Volkanovsky is tough as hell for surviving those. Uh, as is Brian Ortega for surviving the fight, because, I mean, there were certain part, points in this fight where, like, I wouldn't have been mad at Ortega's corner for not letting him continue. Like, yep. I, I, you know, I'm not I'm not necessarily saying, like, I think they should have prevented him from fighting more, but I wouldn't have been mad about it. Um, as he clearly showed, he had enough in the tank to, to finish to finish the fight and go to a decision. But he took a real beat down uh, as well. So. You know, we know we knew Ortega was tough coming into it. I mean, we saw him get worked by Max Holloway, but but you know, 
he, he survived the fight, right? Didn't that go to his decision? Double check that. Um, yeah, I I guess, oh no, sorry, that was a KO, but it was in the fourth round. He, yeah, it was, was it was say, between it the fourth, fourth and the fifth. It was yep. a doctor stoppage. Yeah, so he so he didn't get finished on his own merit. It, the doctor had to call the fight in between the fourth and the fifth round. So that I mean that's how tough Ortega is. Like he's damn near impossible to finish. Um, Volkanovski deserves all the respect in the world. Um, for anybody out there that was, you know, maybe calling him like a fake champion or a paper champion yeah. or something, yep. because you know a lot of people thought that he lost to Hallway in the rematch, but it was a close enough fight that those kind of fights can go either way. He clearly beat Max the first time. And like, we got to all give this man his respect. I already have been, but for those of you who haven't, like what more do you need to see from the guy? Like he, that was, I completely agree with the 50, 45. I would not, I have 49, 48, 46. I, I understand as well. I think round two is close. And I think Ortega potentially won uh, round five. I think that's how I saw it. Was it was round five was was going for Ortega? Um, I can't remember exactly because so much happened that night. But I do remember after the fight thinking at most Ortega won two rounds. But Same. I but I could also see it for Volkanovski winning all five. Um, so anyway, that that's my big takeaway from the two takeaways from this. Brian Ortega, tough as hell, deserves the spot he's in. Outside of I mean, the featherweight division is, I always talk about it. It's my favorite division in the UFC, as far as the top 15 is concerned. And Ortega solidified himself as like, he's not number one, because that's Volkanovski. He's not number two, because that's Ortega, or sorry, that's Hallway. But he's definitely number three right there until somebody like, uh, you know, Yair Rodriguez is going to fight Max Hallway in, uh, in December, I think. Uh, so, it's, uh, about six weeks away in, in November. Oh, November. Hell yeah. Okay. And that's a fight that keeps getting pushed back. Hopefully it yes. actually happens. But like the only person outside of Ortega that I think might be in that conversation is Yair. But we don't know that until he fights Hallway. Um, yeah, I was going to ask. Um, I, that's, that's, it's already been stated, I think, that that is the number one contender fight uh, with Max and Yair. Um, and, and, but there were people saying, you know, as tough as Brian was a uh, rematch. So, um, would, you know, hypothetically, um, if you're booking this, if Yair beats Max, I mean, you still got to put Yair in there right over T city. Yeah, I completely agree for sure. Okay. Especially because the only, the only downside of Yair is that he's so inactive. You yeah. know, if he, if he fought more regularly, he would have already had a title shot by now, I'm sure. But, you know, it's one of those things where even like even the fight with Yair and Zombie, Zombie won that fight until the literal last second when Yair threw that wild overhead overhead elbow and, and knocked him out with literally one second left. But that just shows like Yair could win at any time. And after that, he came back and he had that fight. Was it two fights with Jeremy Stevens? Like the one one of them like didn't last very long, but then he, but then he beat him the second time. Yeah, no, it's it, he's thirteen, I believe thirteen and two and and one is uh Yair's record right now, which is pretty wild. Like we're saying though, you think about these wild fights, it's really not a ton of fights, especially when you're in there looking at Max Holloway, who's what, who's twenty twenty six, twenty seven wins. Yeah, yeah. So like, so if if Yair beats Holloway, we, let me put it this way, yeah, either way, the winner yeah. of that fight should fight Volkanovski next because. Yeah, years never had a chance, but he'll have the resume of, you know, 
his most recent wins, Jeremy Stevens, Korean Zombie, like he's 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 earned it. Um, and then Holloway is in the same position where it's like he has nothing. Like he's he's arguably the best featherweight fighter ever. So like you have that already, and then the fact that he had such a close rematch that he arguably won against Volkanovski, like that's a super sellable trilogy. Um, so yeah, to answer your question, I think for sure, like the winner of Yair and Holloway for sure should fight Volkanovski next. Uh, the only thing, only other thing I wanted to ask you about this fight, because you, I mean, like I said, you, you nailed it, man. I, I, uh, I thought it was so impressive that T city, I mean, we forget how, I mean, his arms had to be just dead after that third round. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, not even with the throwing the punches throughout the entire fight, but the amount of energy he put into those two submissions and still in the fifth round may not be able to see probably there's no telling the injuries coming out of this. He's still throwing hands, doing all he can with those dead arms. Uh, but a, a question actually Brett had that I wanted to ask you was so uh, 15 and two now is, is T city Brown Ortega's record. Both those losses coming in the title fight for that featherweight championship I know he's super young, only 30. Um, is it fair, do you think, that people can say now, you know, that, that Brian is, is a great fighter, one of the best, but can't, you know, can't win that big one, that title fight, because, Brett, that, that was the biggest fear. You know, we're big uh, Ortega fans. His fear now was saying, you know, I hate for him to get labeled that. Yeah, so he he's in a tough spot at featherweight because of the two title losses. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's one of those things where, like, if he beats the right people, you know, he's still probably only one or two big wins away from getting another shot, especially if Yair winds up winning the title. You know what I mean? Because, like, things, be really, things really open up for him if Holloway and Volkanovski, if, if neither of them are the champion, right. then Ortega has a clear path again because he hasn't fought Yair. So that's really best case for, for Ortega would be Yair beating Holloway than beating Volkanovski. Then I could see Ortega getting another title shot as long as he beat, you know, I'd put Ortega in there against like Calvin Cater or something like because that'd oh, be a, yeah. big, a big fight for both. And both those guys are like unstoppable, tough as hell dudes. Um, really anyone in the top 15, though, Ortega, if Ortega were to beat, you know, Giga Chikazi or or Josh Emmett when he comes back, Arnold Allen. Any of these guys, if he wants, if if they ran back Zombie and Ortega, I'm never going to be mad about that because I'm such a big fan of both of those guys. Like I think that would be just those two guys could fight ten times, and I think it'd go you know five and five. Like you know what I mean? Like I, I, mm-hmm. so it's it's a uh, but but something that not many people are talking about that I think is a possibility. It's tough because of the names and and all that stuff and the things you got to deal with in the politics. But if you were to move to lightweight. Ortega and he got like one or two quality wins at lightweight and Charles Oliveira is still the champion like that's super interesting because Oliveira would be would have a guy in there that has super super you know high level skills in grappling similar to Oliveira like he is really the only there's no one there's no one at lightweight right now grappling wise outside of Habib but we have to take him out of the picture right but but all the current people like I think you know what I mean I think Oliveira on the ground 
heavily outmatches Poirier, Gaethje, Darius, Chandler. Um, Makachev could be interesting because Makachev is very similar to Habib in a lot of ways, but I'd still definitely favor Oliveira in that fight. T-City, that'd be interesting because it's like T-City has knockout power and so does Oliveira. So both of them would have a really interesting stand-up battle, but then if it hit the ground, Oliveira wouldn't have like that, that crazy... Um, you know, advantage on the ground that he has against everyone else. Ortego might even have the advantage for all we know. Like it would be a, it would be a really interesting stand-up battle and a battle on the on the ground. So like if that. So I think if Ortega feels like he's in a no man's land, especially if because because we got to wait for Holloway and Yair to play out, and then we have to wait for the winner of that versus Volkanovski before yeah. Ortega would even have a chance at fighting for the title. So maybe the smartest thing for him is to go to, uh, you know, go to lightweight and fight like Michael Chandler or Benil Daryush or something like that. And if he can beat one of those guys, he might wind up getting a shot against Oliveira potentially if he's still got the belt. So, yeah, sign me up, man. Uh, Brian Ortega, you could put him in any weight class, any fight, man. Uh, I'm going to watch, especially after the performance again. I mean. You look at the, the the fight game can be so cruel. Again, you look at these, you know, the, the decision, the final cards. And if you didn't watch this fight, you wouldn't realize how close Brad Ortega was uh, to, to winning that title. But uh, champ stayed the champ. Volkanovski retains. And they also both got that $50,000 bonus, as this was rightfully so the fight of the night. Um, great main event. Can't wait to see how it unfolds. And like we keep saying, really, uh, all eyes are now on that. Uh, that Max and Yair fight, which is supposed to happen November 13th. Um, so, yeah, definitely something to keep in mind uh, in the next few weeks as, uh, as Alexander kind of takes a minute to, to breathe a little bit after this scrap, man, on Saturday. In the, uh, in the co-main event, it was a finish for Valentina Shevchenko, which we both expected. Fourth round, though, I, you know, I think we both, the way we're thinking, this might be a second, third rounder. Uh, Lauren Murphy, tough as nails, but does get finished in the fourth round. Uh, this, you know, this just, it, I don't know, man, it felt watching it kind of unfold basically like we thought, you know, Valentina was always kind of in control, in my opinion, and never really felt like, you know, it wasn't going to go that way. But still, um, you know, making it that deep into waters for Lauren Murphy, great performance against someone that we both agree. I mean, you know, uh, the fight to make, we all want to see Nunes Shevchenko. I mean, the, the, the winner of that one is, you know, not even, in my opinion, very arguably top 10 pound-for-pound fighter, gender, no matter what in the world. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, and I agree with everything you said. Like, I mean, it's, Shevchenko just completely outclasses everyone in the flyweight division. It's just not even close, Um, which I think is, which some people might hear me say that and think that, like, I don't like that's the case. I think it's incredible. Like, yeah, seeing somebody this good, it's it's really awesome to see, um, but she just has no threat at all in that division. She's so far beyond the skill level of everyone else that she's fighting that these fights just aren't even. It's fun to watch because it's like you're getting to watch greatness unfold in front of your eyes. But like, it's not it's not competitive. Um, none of these fights are competitive. Lauren Murphy, 100% deserved that title shot. Um, yep. You know. She she had won like five fights in a row going into it, and she was calling for the fight. and And Shevchenko had already beaten all these other women, you know, that are ranked near her and stuff. So it's like Lauren Murphy. For I have no issue at all with the matchmaking. Like Lauren Murphy, one million percent deserved that fight for the title. 
but even we were talking about it like on the live stream like nobody expected that fight to go five rounds people most people expected it to be done within the first or second round and it went it went four rounds it went into the fourth round sure but like there was no point where Shevchenko yeah. was even in any kind of remote danger. She just she just stuck to her game plan and just played it smart and got the finish when she saw the opening. So it just is what it is. Um, and, and like you said, I mean, the fight to make is definitely Nunez and Shevchenko three. I, I know that Nunez has got to fight Juliana Pena. Uh, I don't know when that is, like November or December, I think. Mm-hmm. But and it was supposed to already happen, but COVID and stuff. I... I mean, in no disrespect to Pena, but like, I don't. December eleventh, sorry, yeah. December eleventh is the plan for Nunes Pena. Thank you. So December eleventh, I, I don't think that Pena has a chance in hell of beating Amanda Nunes. I, I don't think it's going to be even. I don't think it's going to be even remotely, even close to being close. Like, yeah, agree. I mean, a complete mismatch. But once again, same kind of scenario. Nunes has cleaned out her division. All the women that are ranked above uh, Pena, if I were to pull it up, I bet she's beaten all of them. Be, yeah, I would say she, I would bet she's beaten or finished all of them. Yeah, so the the rankings you got Nunez on top, obviously. She's beaten Durandamy. She's beaten Holm. Uh, she's I can't remember if she fought Aspen Ladd and Irene Aldana or not at all. I don't think so. But either way, like Juliana Pena, she's getting the fight. I. It just doesn't even. And then you look at the rest of it. Like she's beat. She's beaten most of the women that are in the top fifteen at some point in her career or another. So it's just like one of those things where. And then she also, of course, has the featherweight title too. So like you know, there's there's going back and forth, and she's really dominant. She's pretty much equally dominant in both weight classes. Um, so, you know, now that said, it's a little different, just a little bit because. I think uh, Jermaine Durandamy and Holly Holm, for instance, I think the two of them actually have a chance at Nunez. Like, I don't think I wouldn't choose them to win. Right. Like, I think that they could potentially. Right. right, Exactly. It's an actual fight. And, you know, I think if they were to fight 10 times, I think Durandamy and Holm might be able to take like, you know, two out of 10, like maybe kind of thing. Like, I think they actually have a chance to potentially beat her. But when I look at the flyweight division, there's nobody on that top 15 that I think can beat Chipchenko. The only one that I thought had a chance was Jessica Andrade and she destroyed Jessica Andrade. So like, so that that's where we're at with it. Like they're at a point where either, and, and the only reason that it sucks for Chipchenko is because, for her and Nunez to fight each other a third time, it's going to have to happen at 135. And they fought to a split decision the last time they fought um, at 135. So it's obviously very, it's all very exactly super close, but Shevchenko's optimal weight is 125 and Nunez's optimal weight is 135. So like Nunez is always going to have somewhat of an advantage with that because that's her weight. That's her natural fighting weight class. Um, or natural, you know, cutting weight and all that. But you know what I mean? That's the that's the weight class where she's going to do her best um, physically. So Shevchenko is going to be at, an, at a disadvantage there. All You know, maybe I don't love the idea of making people cut more, but like if they could, if, if Nunez could safely make 130 and Shevchenko could do 130 as well, because obviously she would just have to cut less. 
I think that'd be a little more fair. But at the same time, like, I want the belt to be on the line. So, like, I would definitely, it would have to be almost like a gentleman's agreement where it's like, this is for the Bantamweight title. The 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 weight is 135, but they both agree to come in at 130, just like as like a, you know, gentleman's agreement type thing. Um, but, you know, that's very unlikely. And, and And at the end of the day, what's really the difference in five pounds? But my point is, you know, I just feel like Shevchenko is at somewhat of a disadvantage at, at, at Bantamweight because Nunez is literally the GOAT fighter at Bantamweight. Uh, after, yeah. So, like, um, that said, that's still definitely the fight to make, 100%. And Shevchenko can win. I'd, I'd say Shevchenko, I know they fought each other twice, but I think Shevchenko could win that fight, like, three or four out of ten times against Nunez. Like, that's how that's how good I think Shevchenko is. Yeah, and we're literally, we're just a couple of weeks out. It's been four years and a few weeks at this point uh, from that last fight. It doesn't feel that long ago um, to me. But yeah, we're by the time, let's hypothetically say, you know, they do fight sometime next year, maybe. I mean, we're talking five years in between. Like a lot, you know, a lot has changed in those five years. And like you already mentioned, as close, I remember watching that fight and as big a fan of both these, I, I love Ana Nunez. I remember thinking when it got to the cards, I remember thinking, I think Amanda won. Like, I think she's going to get the decision. But I looked at my wife and I was like, we've seen crazier things in fighting. And it wound up, of course, being that close. So, uh, again, I just don't know, man. That would be in my top 10, top five fights in general I want to see in the next year or two. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, and I'm interested to see how Nunez looks against Pena. Yep. Because, I honestly, at the end of the day, I... I know this sounds this sounds bad, but I just got to keep it real. I think Nunez could beat Pena without even a training camp. Like that's how much of a difference I think in skill we're looking at between Pena and Nunez. Because um, like I don't think Pena is that good to begin with, and I and I know and yeah. I know that like there's people that won't like hearing that, but I'm gonna pull a record up because I haven't looked at it in. Uh, I mean, it's been months since I've since I've looked. But I'm a, her record isn't great in the UFC. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, here you go. She lost to Shevchenko, which, okay, fair enough. Um, she beat Nico Montano, the most overrated maybe fighter the UFC's ever – well, I shouldn't say overrated. Everyone knows she isn't very good, but she's the worst champion the UFC's ever had. She lost to Jermaine Duranamy. So, hey, two of the top women you're ever going to find in the UFC. And she beat Sarah McMahon. So, I, that's all right. But she's <laughs> – I mean, she's two and two in her last four fights. When you really look at it, she's beat Katz and Gano, beat Jessica I. But I mean, Jessica I has not looked great uh, as of late, and and Shevchenko destroyed her. Um, and also, you know, Nunez or Zingano, uh, her big opportunity, she's kind of squandered as well. So it's like her. I guess let me put it this way: the biggest wins that she has, Pena, is like Jessica I, who's on the downslope. And this was in 2015. Kat Zingano in 2016, who's who's lost every big fight she's had. Uh, she lost to Shevchenko, understandable. She beat Montano, which who who cares? I'm sorry to say it. Uh, Durandamy, <laughs> you know, Durandamy's just better than she is. And she beat McMahon, but McMahon, if I pull up her record, it's going to look very uh, red and red and green, too. I mean, it's going to be all over the place. Sarah McMahon's lost uh, three of her last four fights. Yeah. So, like... So my point is, I think that Nunez isn't going to have a problem with with Pena either way. But the reason I'm thinking about when, when it comes to Shevchenko and Nunez is like, 
Shevchenko to me seems like a woman who is like laser focused on just being the best fighter. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Just super committed. I have no reason to think that Nunez isn't super committed, but I do know she is a mother now and she is, she has been talking more about like post fight career type stuff. And um, I don't think she's like necessarily getting ready to retire, but I also think if she were to retire right now, she would be completely satisfied with how her career went. You know, I, I don't think she has to keep fighting to prove anything to anybody at this point. Right. So, but, but Shevchenko is clearly in like, I want to be the goat mode right now. So like that, that's where it'd be interesting to me. I think Nunez steamrolls Pena either way, but if they wind up matching Pena or uh, uh, Shevchenko and Nunez again, I think like Nunez, and this is all stuff. I'm not saying anything Nunez doesn't already know, obviously, but Nunez, like she's got to come ultra committed to, to take off Shevchenko. But I think she can get away with being like half committed to fight Pena as, as kind of fucked up as that kind of sounds. But, <laughs> Uh, but honestly, it's just I just think it's a gigantic mismatch. I think there's yeah. there's there are better women at Bantamweight than Juliana Pena that aren't getting title shots. Like I think Aspen Lad's better than Juliana Pena. She's not getting a title shot, for instance. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I just don't I just don't the the reason that Pena's getting this fight is because she talked her way into it. She she beat Sarah McMahon and she's been calling out Amanda Nunez, and no one else is really calling out Amanda Nunez at this point. So it's no. like okay, well, we'll give her the fight then. Like, we got to have Nunez fight somebody, and, like, she's beat everyone else, and, like, this woman's, you know, trash-talking and wants the fight, so we'll just give her the fight so we can get Nunez back in there is how it feels, so. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, that, that absolutely, that's the fight. Uh, the fight to be made, I know Shevchenko said she's focused on being the most dominant flyweight champ. Me and you both agree she's already there. Um, yeah. But I absolutely, this is money to be made here. So be on the lookout. Assuming again, I'm all with what Stevens. I, I, I mean, I would bet my house, your house, every house on Amanda winning this fight in December. But uh, when we cross that bridge and that's official, uh, expect this talk to really heat up at the beginning of the year for a match announcement. Uh, I would not be shocked. I know it's a long way. I mean, literally, we're talking a year away almost, but I would not be shocked if that was one of the biggest, you know, the big international fight week fights um, next year, if we can get there. Yeah, I could see that too. With it was just a ton of buildup between exactly. like January and what they usually do that in July, right? Yeah, usually July. So maybe, you know, have Amanda fight in December. Maybe uh, Shevchenko defends one more time in, I don't know, you know, February ish. And then you've got March, April, May, June, and then a fight in July to just to build and, That'd be a hell of a UFC countdown, let me tell you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm with that. Uh, of course, your co-main event, uh, Valentina Shevchenko, the bullet, retaining her flyweight championship. Uh, next up, the fight you and I were both the most excited for, middleweight fight, Robbie Lawler finishing Nick Diaz in the third round, TKO, uh, man. This was, I mean, I, I it's been a while. I know... You know, Robbie won, and, and we're going to talk about how impressive he looked and how great he looked, even with the the change of weight so soon uh, to fight day. But I just was so excited, man. It's it's amazing how excited I get just having Nick Diaz throw two pieces. Um, you know, it, it, I was excited just to see him back in the cage. Um, but you know, takes the, the takes the loss to Robbie. Um, I know you had a lot of thoughts on it. Um, we both. I mean, it's kind of the big question, right? Was was this ring rust? What you know? What what exactly was going on? We've heard a lot of things. You you brought up a great point last week that I wanted to hit about 
the Nick Diaz army. And it took no time to have, you know, uh, I believe it was Shields came out and said, you know, maybe Nick came back to this fight too quick or, or anything like that. So, I mean, a lot to unpack in this one, bro. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think I saw Shield said something about like Nick only trained like six weeks for the fight or something like that. Um, the thing, I mean, I there, yeah, I have, I mean, that has so many different feelings about all this. Like, with so just a few months ago, Nick was posting pictures online and he was looking shredded. And he looked like way less in shape when he was in the fight on Saturday. Like, I, and I know me and you had talked about it a little bit off air about like, was there like a minor injury that Nick was dealing with leading up to this fight or something? And that's what would cause, you know, the, the change in weight and all that. And part of me, I don't want to sit here and make excuses, but like part of me feels like some, I mean, I feel like something happened between like these pictures I saw just a few months ago and the guy that I saw on Saturday, because no, he, I agree. That was the first thing Brett said. Brett was like that. He does look almost your exact words. He doesn't look like the pictures, bro. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's. And see, and there, there's a lot of factors in this, right? Like Nick, Nick Diaz. And also, you know, shout out to uh, uh, who who did I see say it? Um, Anthony, who was it? Anthony Walker. Who actually worked with at MMA on point uh, you know, back in the day. He put out a tweet uh the other night that I thought was really perfect. It was something along the lines of like, um, the only two people in the world that don't want to see Robbie Lawler versus Nick Diaz are Robbie Lawler and Nick Diaz. Like <laughs> because these guys didn't even want to fight each other to begin with. So like yeah. Nick's motivation level was like it was high because, like, you don't want to get your ass beat, but, like, he didn't want to fight Robbie Lawler. Like, he likes Robbie Lawler. He's fought Robbie Lawler before. Like, he he didn't want to fight this guy. And when he came down, when he did the walk to the octagon, like, he wasn't his normal, like, you know, hyped up, trash talking, like, out there to kill type man mentality. Like, he was just, yep. he seemed, like, out of it. Like, it, like he just didn't want to be there at all. Um, I will say the coolest, one of the coolest things I saw on night though was when Diaz and GSP shook hands in the locker room before the fight. Yeah, dude, that, that was, was really pretty cool. cool. Yeah, that was cool to see. But yeah, I mean, so that all said, you know, I, I just Diaz just didn't look like he was in the shape he were used to seeing him in. And then during the fight, and once again, nothing against Robbie Lawler. Lawler looked great. Like this was the best he fight did. Lawler. I had thought he looked great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it looked, I mean, physically looked great. Like you just said, confidently looked great. I mean, I, 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 hey, listen, I, I'll say it, man. We have both, both actually been saying it for years. I don't know. Robbie has not been the same since that Condit fight, uh, followed up right, of course, after the Rory fight. So my big thing was like, I'm not sure about Robbie's chin. And I know we, we both agree Nick didn't look the same. There's something going on there. But Still, though, there were times I was I was like, man, you know, if he can land that a couple of times, like Robbie could definitely go down. I thought he did a hell of a job, showed off that toughness. And again, plenty of questions out of the Diaz camp. But from the Lawler camp, you just said it, man. I can't remember the last time Robbie looked this good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, those wars you mentioned and you know, the Woodley knockout. It's, I mean, mm -hmm. it's just you just but. Yeah, it's just. 
it was it was just it was weird to watch. It was cool to see Nick back. Like it was because I've been asking for it for so long that it's like, you know, they gave me what I wanted as far as like him back. But I feel like we didn't see the real Nick Diaz on Saturday. It just didn't. And now I know I'm biased. He's like my favorite fighter ever to watch. Like I I'm a big fan of him and, and the whole Diaz army and, and Nate and they're kind of, you know, everything about kind of. But Nick just doesn't seem like he's in a great place. Like he seems like he's. It seems like he wanted to figure out something to do outside of fighting for the last six years and he couldn't find anything that worked for him. So now he's just like he's back because he has to be back. Mm. Um, and he's fighting people that he doesn't even want to fight, but like he, he needs to make money and like he, his team needs to get paid for So like all these other people benefit from him fighting and he just didn't seem like he wanted to be there. And that said, I mean, it was great to see him throw in the, the combos we're used to seeing him throwing. I mean, his, his boxing looked pretty good, but it was like a slower version of what we're used to seeing. Like he just didn't have the same kind of snap to his punches and the same kind of volume and his conditioning definitely wasn't on the level that we're used to because he was clearly kind of getting tired and like the fight had only, you know, only went into the third round. And it's like, it, it just, it just wasn't what you're used to seeing with him, but it's also a guy who hasn't fought in like six, seven years or whatever. So like, you know, it just is what it is, I guess, at the end of the day. And one thing I never thought I'd see in my life is Nick Diaz quit. And he quit. Yeah, he did, man. He, uh, I know I saw a quote. He said something about, you know, he knew he had it coming and uh, he just felt it in there and knew he just had to get out and talked about how the management screwed some. So, I mean, definitely uh, a lot of questions. I know he had a lot of stress coming into it. And, and we talked about it uh, last week when I watched the countdown thing, like, it, without a doubt, seemed and sounded like a, a more adult Nick Diaz. But even that man, from whenever that was filmed to this week, certainly sounded like a much different man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think Nick needs to, like, kind of figure out what he wants to do going forward. Like, does he want to continue fighting? And if you do, like, you got to get this stuff figured out. Like, because... I mean, we're also cutting him a ton of slack for the the weight change, too. I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you said it. It's the truth. If it's anyone else, that really gets hammered hard because, I mean, when else, you know, happened? I think that was announced on, you know, a week, like Monday or Tuesday of last week, you know, days before the fight. Yeah, and then, like, huge credit to Lawler for accepting it because, like, yep. you didn't have to accept these changes. Um, so... Do you think that was a question with maybe Nick's weight, like we're talking about, whether it be an injury or mental or whatever it is? Do you think it was just a like the weight cut, man? I'm just I don't I, I can't do it like that. That's you know, that's what it came down to. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's a big factor in it. Like it's it's just hard to know, like, yeah, because because in most cases, I mean, if it's anyone else in this situation comes up, either the opponent's going to be like nope, we're going to keep it where it's at because I'm cutting weight and I'm going to make the weight and then you're going to have to pay me, you know, your fight purse for missing weight. Um, or the promotion is just going to find a replacement fighter. But I'm assuming what Nick Diaz did was something, well, it's again, just an assumption, but I'm assuming he, it was something along the lines of his management calling the UFC and saying, hey, Nick is not going to make 170. Like, no matter what you say, he's not going to make 170. Um, so this fight has to be at 185 or he's just not coming. 
And and Robbie was down for it. Right. Well, and Nick Diaz is the kind of guy like you don't want to call that bluff because like he actually will just no show. For real. So so like um it sounded like Nick wanted this fight to get pushed back a few more months to be like fully prepared for it. But mm-hmm. the UFC was like dead set on like if you're coming back, we're doing it on this show. Like we've already put too much promotion into it. So I mean, once again, I'm not making any excuses. I think Nick Diaz, I mean, he's been he's been off for you know six to seven years. Um, it's not like he wasn't capable of being prepared for this fight. Like he's known for plenty of time that he he was going to be fighting on this day, and he agreed to uh, you know 170 and all this stuff. So it's like a lot of this is on him. A lot of it is. Most of it's on him. The the, the vast majority of it is on him. Um, but. Yeah, then just to see him like, you know, he like to see him quit that was that was disheartening. But at the same time, like it was smart because like he knew he was done out there. But what do you do from here? Like, is that the last time we ever see Nick Diaz? Like, that's the the lasting impression we have, or does he like really get his shit together and like really make one more run at this thing? And if so, how do they go about doing that? Because, like, he, he'd he have to fight, like, because uh, Lawler might not even have been ranked going into that fight. Or if he was, it was it was, it was was low. Um, so, like, let me pull up middleweight real quick. Or, sorry, welterweight. So, yeah, Robbie Lawler's not even listed in the top 15 at welterweight right now. Um, so... I was going to say maybe you have to have Nick Diaz fight a guy outside of the top 15, but Robbie Lawler is a guy outside of the top 15. Like, who do you match him with to try to rebuild his confidence and get the old Nick Diaz back? Because I don't think the mm-hmm. right thing to do is have – I mean, thank God he didn't fight Kamar Usman on Saturday. Like, that would have been a fucking destruction by Usman. That would have been, been uncomfortable to watch. It would have been so one-sided. Um, yeah, when he said that, uh, when when Nick said, you know, I think I should be in there and and I would beat Usman, and then we saw, like you just said, we saw the performance. I said that out loud as well. I was like, man, thankfully it is Robbie because this would have been bad. Yeah, that that would have been. I mean, this is the fight. This fight made a lot of sense for both guys, Robbie and Diaz, except for the two of them. They didn't want it. They didn't want to fight each other again. Um, they like each other, but. But like from like a where they're at in their careers right now standpoint, it made all the sense in the world. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like, do, do you do you, or is that or is that just is that it, or do you really make a run at this thing again, or like, I don't know. I just don't know what the future for Nick Diaz looks like at all. Like I. And he's the kind of guy where, like, I don't know what his personal life looks like. I mean, he might be yeah. shambles there, too. And, like, I just I just don't know. I feel bad for the guy a lot. But I also, a lot of it is self-inflicted stuff. I mean, it's just, you know, who, who I, I just don't I just don't know what, what's next for the guy and, and who he should or shouldn't be fighting. It, as, as as fucked as this is going to sound, and I'm this is somewhat of a joke, but, like, like this would have been the perfect scenario if CM Punk was still in the UFC. <laughs> like, cause, oh god, because <laughs> Nick Diaz would have just beaten the shit out of him, and then like it would have been like, all right, like, and it would have made a lot of money. 
because I think Nick Diaz made 500000 for this fight against Lawler. And that's what Punk was making per fight with the UFC also. It would have been a big fight, a big money fight. Um, and it would have been super one-sided. But but the, the sad thing with me saying that is like, that's the type of level. I mean, it's a stretch for, for Punk because Punk is like literally the worst UFC fighter ever, undebatably. But like you have to find, if, if Diaz is going to fight again, my point is it has to be a gimme fight. It has to be someone yep. he cannot lose to. So, and and, I, and how I, do you do that with him with like a no name fighter? Yeah, that's why Punk comes to mind because he has a name. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, it's it's tough to just take some some random dude from like Fight Pass that no one's ever seen before and have him fight Nick Diaz. It, that seems weird too. We, uh, man, it is. It's 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 hard to predict because of he's the enigma. Man, he's you never know. I mean, the, the what's really the last time we saw. Nick Diaz win a fight. We're creeping up on a decade. October 29, 2011. Of course, that win over BJ Penn. Um, back all the way, UFC 137. And, of course, we just had 266. So, it's been a minute. Of course, the, the suspension is a big part of that. But um, it, it's still pretty wild to me, man, that, like, you know, the, it, it, maybe it's not wild to say that that's probably the worst Nick Diaz has ever seen with everything going around it. But with the time put into this, and then again, everything we had saw just a couple of months ago, I have just serious questions of what happened between then and Saturday night. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and I, I that is unquestionably the worst I've ever seen Nick Diaz look in a fight, yep. unquestionably. Yep. So, like we're big saying, win for Robbie, got the finish, yeah. gets the win sure. back from nearly 20 years ago. And, and again, we talked about, you know, Nick hadn't had a win in uh, 10 years. You know, it's been this was uh, this is Robbie's first win in over four years, bro. Yeah, yeah, and and good for him. I mean, yep. Robbie Lawler is such a good dude, and he's such a likable guy. And like, I I hate that's another reason that this fight, like, you know, it made a lot, it made all the sense in the world, but it's also just a fight that I just don't like for a lot of reasons, and that's one of them where it's like it almost made Robbie Lawler the bad guy in the situation because everyone was so looking forward to Nick Diaz coming back. But Robbie Lawler deserves all the praise, all the credit, all the adulation from the fans. Like, I mean, Lawler is, he's one of the best fighters. I mean, he's one of the best welterweights the UFC's ever had. And, you know, he had a great middleweight run in strike force and stuff. And like, yep. I mean, his, 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 his uh, original UFC run when he was like 19 or whatever, like, Knock I mean, people, yeah, I mean, it's so Robbie Lawler, love that dude, deserves all the credit in the world. Can't wait to see what he does next. Like, I'd like to see him make a little bit of a climb. I mean, you never know. I, I'm not, I don't think that Lawler will necessarily ever be like a title challenger again. But shit, I thought that about Glover Teixeira also. Yep. Like, you know, and Glover Teixeira just slowly but surely just reclimbed the ranks. And you just, you never know. Some of these veterans. That, you know, they're just built different. And Robbie Lawler, I, I, I don't really have any expectation for the for the future of his career. Like, if he were to retire right now, hell of a career. If you were to, you know, fight another guy in, like, the top 10 soon just to see if he could do it, like, I'm for it. If he wants to keep fighting guys outside the top 15 just to stay active and keep making some money and keep his name out there, I'm fine with it. Like, whatever Robbie Lawler wants to do at this point, I'm completely fine with. I completely support. And, like, he 100 we get regardless of all the negatives that is put out there about Nick Diaz, Robbie Lawler went out there and legitimately earned that win over Diaz. Like, so that's, you know, you can't take anything away from Robbie Lawler with that win. 
No, and again, especially as you mentioned, you know, took the weight change on day's notice, didn't blink an eye, just said he's here to fight. Uh, without a doubt, uh, you know, when you say a, a true fighter, ruthless Robbie Lawler, man, right at the top of that list. Yes, I couldn't agree more. Great, uh, great performance by him. Great win. Very interested to see what happens with both these guys. Because um, again, nothing, uh, nothing but really question marks out of uh, out of the Nick Diaz, uh, the Diaz camp coming out of this one. So all eyes will be on Stockton the 209 to see what's going on there. Um, next up, a heavyweight fight. Our second fight uh, from the main card. A a decisive win for Curtis Blades, 30-27 across the board. Unanimous decision win over Rosenstrike, man. Um, this was one that, I mean, not the most exciting fight, but uh, but a definite win for Curtis Blades. Yeah, for sure. And this is, you know, I took Rosenstrike in the predictions, but it was very, very much uh, contingent on him landing. Early. Exactly, I mean, yeah. It was, it was either going to be what we got or Rosie was going to catch him. That was the two stories. Exactly. Even the in the predictions we did last week, it was like on paper, Curtis Blades. Like he's yep. the he's definitely the better grappler. He's definitely the more well rounded fighter. Um, but I was taking Rosenstrike because I thought he'd be able to land how Lewis did. But because Lewis and Rosenstrike fight so similarly, very similar body types as well and stuff in the way that they throw punches. So I just figured like. You know, I figured if Lewis could do it, Rosenstrike might be able to do it also. But Blades just, he did what he did. And I can't, I'm not going to take anything away from him. Like, he legitimately won that fight all three rounds. Um, unfortunately for him, Dana White just totally has it out for him. Every time that he wins, he's just like, yeah, the guy's boring. It's like, yeah, well, he's winning the fights, though. So, like, he's, <laughs> I mean, that's within the rules. He's not cheating in any way, shape, or form or anything. He's just doing... He's not a good striker. His skill set is grappling. You you know exactly. that going into these fights that he's booked for. Um, the the only problem with where Blades is at and and his style doesn't help him in this regard is that he's already lost to Ngannou twice, and it's like he he he's never gonna fight Ngannou again as long as Ngannou's no. the champion because no. those fights were so one sided. So like. You know, he's lost to Derek Lewis, got knocked out by him. Derek Lewis is ranked one above him. Um, I can't, did Stipe and Blades never fought because Stipe was the champion pretty much that whole time in, in Blades, either Stipe or DC back and forth. Um, I don't think Blades ever got in that mix at all. Uh, Surreal gone. He's like, you know, he's the real kind of wild card as the interim champion. But the point is, Curtis Blades is like totally boxed out of the, the title picture right now. As long as Ngannou is the champion, and as long as Lewis is ranked ahead of him, uh, Blades is just in a really, really tough spot. Um, but he's going to keep doing this stuff. And the only fear that I have for him is that he might get the John Fitch treatment or something. Where, like, if, if you remember, like, back in the day, John Fitch was ranked number, like, two or three at welterweight for, like, He'd been in that spot for a long time and he'd gotten title fights before and he'd fought like number one contender fights and he was always like ranked right there, but he was never the champion. But the UFC didn't like his style because it's very much like Curtis Blade's style. Like it was mainly, I don't necessarily call it lay and pray because I think that's kind of too negative, but it's, it's a very grappling based and, and it is lay and pray. It, that is what it is. I just don't, I don't like 
being negative about that. I was going to say it's either you either are call it's either called lay and pray or grapple fuck. That's the two. <laughs> that's the right. two Twitter tweets. And there in and with the two of them, there isn't like there's not like a massive amount of ground and pound on top of no. it. No, nope. which, you know, you get guys like uh, Habib, for instance, that like they'll take you down and they just ground it. They never no one ever accuses uh, Habib of lay and pray because he just beats the shit out of you on the ground. Uh, Curtis Blades and, and John Fitch, and these kind of guys got labeled as lay and pray type fighters. And. um, And and with with John Fitch, he got cut from the company in the same position Curtis Blades is in the UFC basically said, all right, man, like we get that you're like one of the best three to five fighters in in this division, but you keep beating our next challengers. Like all the people (laughs) we want to see fight for the title, you keep beating them by taking them down and laying on them. And they, it screws up their chances of getting title shots. So we're going to get rid of you instead. And also, depending on how much money you're making, that makes the decision a lot easier for the UFC. If you get paid a lot of money and they don't see you as a as the next champion and you're just kind of killing off contenders, like a Yoel Romero, for instance, like you're they just cut you because you're making a lot of money and you're not really helping their business at that point. I, I, I think it's fucked up because like these guys are legitimately going out there and winning their fights. Like Curtis Blade shouldn't be shouldn't be penalized for being a better grappler and in, in using that to win his fights. But the way that UFC looks at it is like, well, shit. I mean, we we had a chance to maybe get Rosinho, uh, or sorry, Jarzino Rosenstrike in there against you know Stipe or whatever, whatever plans they might have had for Rosenstrike have now been derailed by a guy who took him down for three rounds. You know, so mm-hmm. it's just it's just a it's a it's an unfair it's a really unfair and shitty spot for Curtis Blades to be in, but it's a spot he's always going to be in with the UFC. Um, uh, the only way that this changes for him is Surreal Gone would have to beat Francis Ngannou. That's the only chance Curtis Blades has of getting back in that title mix. Um, and we'll see if it happens. It, it, it could happen. Gone's a damn good fighter. He's got a chance against Ngannou. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that, and that is just, that's just kind of my thoughts on it. Blades, I, I don't take anything away from him at all for, for doing the style he does, but, there's just not a lot to talk about with this actual fight against Rosenstrike because it was just a matter of, and, and partly too, I got to be fair. This is on Rosenstrike too. He's a very one-dimensional fighter. He he leans yeah. he leans completely on being able to knock people out. Very similar to Derek Lewis. I mean, that's why I compare the two of them so much. Is like they're one-dimensional and they're okay with it. But you also have to be okay with these kind of fights happening too. Like if you're going to be one-dimensional and only rely on your striking, you can't be mad. When your opponent is also one-dimensional and he leans on his grappling and he can outgrapple you and you lose. No, yeah, I mean it's it's your you said it to lead things off with. If I'm fighting Curtis Blades, I am like I don't I don't care what my game plan is. It needs to lead off with he wants to do this one thing. We need to be ready for that. Yeah, for sure. And you would think that you would just. I'm sure I'm sure Rosino or I keep saying Rosino, Jarzino Rosenstrike. I'm 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 sure he was prepared from that sense of like probably trained a lot of uppercuts on people, you know, shooting in on him and probably yep. trained a lot of takedown defense and stuff against the cage and the clinch and stuff. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter if like your training partners aren't as good as Curtis Blades. It's Curtis Blades. 
Um, which is going to be rare the- that you're going to find a heavyweight that has that kind of grappling that you can. That you can For real. With. And yeah, again, we keep mentioning it. Blades, the only only two people to defeat Curtis Blades, Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis. So uh, we know how you can beat him. You just got to land it, baby. You got to land that strike. A hundred percent. That's it. And, and that's why I took Rosen strike because I thought he could yep. land it. But like I, that's it's just, it's on one hand, I respect it. You know what I mean? Like just <laughs> just being like, fuck it. I, I know I'm good at this one thing. I'm just going to keep getting better at this one thing. And if but then on the other hand, it's like you just can't be upset if you get taken down and out grappled because like you're you're one dimensional. So, I mean, what? Curtis Blades is just doing the smartest thing that he can do to to make his money. And I haven't looked at, I haven't looked at the payouts, but I would assume that Curtis is on the the you know fifty fifty pay scale that most of them are on, where he's getting paid half to show up, half to win, and like half to win. So it's like for him to make half his money, you know what I mean? He goes out there, he establishes he can take the guy down easily, and he's probably thinking like, okay, I can just keep doing this, win the fight, and get paid double. Or risk getting knocked out. Like it's an easy choice for Curtis Blades. So, um, so yeah, I don't have any issue with any of it. It's just a matter of I, I feel I feel bad for Blades to a degree because like none of these wins actually help his progression in the division because right. he's never going to fight Ngannou again. So literally, it's it's I mean it's a job. I mean I know I know it's a job, but you know what I'm saying. Like the goal is always to get that title, but. Right now, it's really the job is just what you're saying. I go in, I get paid, I go home. Like, that's that's kind of the plan right now for Curtis Blades. Yeah, exactly. It's a very thankless job. Like, I yeah. mean, he gets paid. I mean, that's at the end of the yeah. day, that's really what's most important, obviously. But, but but no matter how, I mean, I shouldn't say no matter how good he looks. If he started knocking people out, the perception yes. might change a little bit. But, you know, if... if we know who he is. The UFC knows who he is. Dana White knows who he is. They they know these things. And I'm not saying it's negative either. It's just we just we know what his strengths are. So like mm-hmm. you're the ones booking him in these fights and then being a, you know upset when he wins exactly how you'd expect him to. Um so it's just really thankless for Blades from a fan and a promotional standpoint because no matter how many of these types of wins he gets, he's not going to really advance in the rankings the fans shit on him for being quote unquote boring and the boss shits on him for being quote unquote boring. So it's like, but if I was him, I'd just be saying, fuck all y'all. I'm going to keep doing exactly what I'm doing. And keep getting paid. <laughs> like, I mean, shit. He's the one putting his life on the line, going out there and fighting people like fuck everybody. Who's, I mean, imagine that. Imagine like the nerve you have to have to be like upset at someone like Curtis Blades. When you know your opponent, Rosenstrike, you know this guy's got knockout power. You, you've seen him not. You were just knocked out by Derek Lewis, a guy who fights an exactly similar style. Like, why wouldn't you go out there and just grapple him? I mean, it's the smart thing to do. I would. Yeah, I would too. Like, why, like risk getting knocked out for the sake of Dana White being happy? I mean, fuck that. Dana White shits on you every time you win. Like, he's going to shit on you even worse if you get knocked out. Like if you get knocked out by Rosenstrike, you might not even be in the company a month later, for all you know. So Yeah, yeah, no, for real. Yeah. So, anyways, shout out to Curtis Blades. I like the guy a yeah. lot. I feel like he deals with a lot of unnecessary bullshit. Um, and I like Rosenstrike a lot too. He's just one dimensional, but he's a very, very fun fighter to watch, especially when he's matched up with other strikers. So just just put Rosenstrike in there next with uh, with uh, someone who's mainly gonna stand with him. I'm all for it. 
No, all for it, bro. All for it. Dominant win for Blades. Uh, next up, our opener from the pay-per-view, a women's flyweight scrap, Jessica Andrade knocking out, or TKOing, I should say, TKO victory over Cynthia Cavillo. First round, bro. Um, I don't. I think we both picked Jessica. I mean, same reasons, right? You look at these yeah. two, no disrespect to Cynthia, Cynthia Cavillo, but like, Kind of the same way with Shevchenko. This is kind of what I expected. I thought if Andrade get a hold of you, get those hands on you, it was going to be over, and and it was in the first round. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And yeah, Calvillo is a very good fighter. Andrade is just outside a of tank. Shevchenko. Yeah, exactly. Outside of Shevchenko, Andrade is definitely the best fighter at flyweight. I mean, she was obviously the former bantamweight champion, but I think she's even better at flyweight because her hands are so heavy. Uh, she already is a you know a heavy-handed striker at bantamweight, but like against the flyweights, there's not many other people in that division that really like take like turn your lights off. I mean, Shevchenko does it, but the only other one that really just if you get hit the right way or enough times, like Andrade can really fuck you up out there. And she goes, she's really smart. She goes to the body and goes to the head. She she diversifies kind of her strikes and stuff. She's so, like, she'd be the flyweight champion if Shevchenko wasn't there. I have no doubt in my mind about it. Um, but Shevchenko is there, and there's a gigantic gap. Shevchenko destroyed her. That's how big of the gap is in the division, where I think, like, you have Shevchenko at the top, and then there's, like, a pretty big drop-off before Andrade, and then there's a pretty big drop-off after Andrade. So, um, that said, once again, Calvillo is a good fighter. Andrade is just a better fighter. I wasn't surprised by the result, but I guess I was a little surprised that it happened in the first round because I thought Calvillo might be able to, you know, make a little bit more of a fight out of it. But right. yeah, Andrade just she's just on another level. Is at the end of the day, is really all it comes down to. Yeah, back to back losses now for Calvillo. Admittedly, uh, to Andrade and Caitlin Chukagi, and not bad losses, but still back to back, man. Uh, not great for someone that you know the UFC was kind of hoping would be maybe one of those next female stars. Yeah. And I know that she's dealt with like bullshit suspensions too in her yep. career that like really she fucked has. up her career progression, like THC failures and shit. Like just that. I, I know some people listen to this and go, well, you, you're not allowed to smoke or take THC in certain States. So it's there. Fuck off. Like the fact that they're, the fact that they're testing it all for T- now, I know it's changed a bit. Like most of her issues were for a couple of years ago, but like the fact that they're even testing for THC at all is ridiculous to me. Like who cares if these people have THC in their system? The only, the only way I would care at all is if they were to test you right after your fight. And it was proven that like you smoked like right before you went out there. Now, even then I wouldn't care personally at all, like how Nick Diaz beat Gomi and that. I was gonna say, how, yeah, <laughs> but but I would understand the logic right. of like we don't want our fight similar to where like you wouldn't want a fighter shotgunning a beer right before they went to the octagon. Right. Like, like personally, I wouldn't care. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. But like, I mean, in theory, if you're the other fighter, aspect. No. Yeah, it's very dangerous. But if you're the other fighter, you're saying do go whatever. Like if you'd have told me. Like Nick Diaz could get ripped as shit and then go outbox talking Origomi, I would say there's no chance in hell, but we saw it happen. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So like so anyway, that that's that, that has hurt Calvillo, these just dumbass THC just rules. Yeah. And then um yeah, Andrade just great performance. Great but... performance. Another great finish for her. We we I mean, like you you summed it up the best, bro. Like 
again, if we we'll see, figure out the Shevchenko stuff, things could open up for Andrade because she's now two and one at this division with the only loss being to the champ. Yeah, yeah. If if Shevchenko were to retire or like did a super fight where they made her vacate the title or something, I have no doubt in my mind that Andrade would be the next champion. No doubt at all. Yeah. Um, she really, she only loses to the tippy tippy top fighters too. I mean, it's like Andrade really is. She's an elite level women's fighter. It's just she's living in a time when, you know, Amanda Nunez and 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 Rose or sorry, I kept saying Bantamweight before. I for for um for Andrade, I, I was meant to say Strawweight. Strawweight. But, yep. Yeah, but but. With straw, I mean, she's living in a world where you know Amanda Nunez is a bantamweight and featherweight, and in a world where Shevchenko's a flyweight, and and you have these just warriors like Wiley Zhang and Yoni and Jacek and Rose Nami Yunus and stuff at strawweight. So, but she's in that conversation with those women, um, and she beat Rose. Um, but you know, I y'all get the, the the gist at this point. It's just with Shevchenko there, she's just not ever going to be the champion, but. Uh, she's definitely the second best woman in that division. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Great fight card. That was the main card up on, uh, of course, the pay-per-view on ESPN Plus, whatever you want to call it. Uh, yeah, again, we had, what, three finishes, uh, two decisions, with one of those decisions being one of the absolute best fights of the year. So great main card. Uh, what were some of your thoughts on this prelim card? I know some names absolutely jump off the page. Uh, how did you feel watching this prelims uh, unfold? So just quickly, I'll just go through. Um, shout out to Talia Santos, win over Roxy. Um, Roxanne Mataferi is a, she's a tough out for anybody. Uh, I say it all the time. Roxanne, she looks like the most unathletic fighter I've ever seen in my life. But her her heart and determination and where she at where she's at in the sport, it's a real testament to just incredibly hard work and sticking with it. And I'm a very big fan of the happy warrior. So she's a not, she is not an easy out for anybody. So shout out to Talia Santos for getting that win. Um, we had Chris Dawkins over um, Abdur Abdur really, really Shamil. I'll just say Shamil. That's a lot easier. Um, Dawkins. I, he, he knocked out uh, Shamil in the second round TKO. But uh, I think I saw that Dana's already saying they're going to do Dawkins versus Lewis. So, Ooh. yeah, that's already being set up, I believe. So that's a uh, that's a big fight for Dawkins and for Lewis. Two two guys that fight very similarly. They're going to go out there and try to take, take each other's heads off. So shout out to Dawkins for uh, for getting a big fight coming off of this. Um, shout out to Dan Hooker for the win over uh, Mini Gaslam, Nasrat Hapcrest. Um Got the decision 30-27 times two and 30-26. And this was cool. I mean, both these guys had had visa issues getting into the States for this fight. And, like, the way that I understand it, I could be wrong, but I, I think for, like, Dan Hooker, for instance, coming from New Zealand, I think it's, like, a literal lottery where, like, you have to wait for your name to be, like, picked off a list before they'll even let you, like, fly over to the U.S. because of, like, COVID protocol and stuff. So, I mean, both these guys were, like, cutting weight on the airplane coming into weigh-ins and stuff. Like, I mean. Wow. And, and it's funny because it's, it's pretty fucked up when you think about it when it's, like, they let Nick Diaz just straight up fight 15 pounds heavier than what he agreed to. But Dan Hooker and Hapkaras needed to both still make weight, even though they everyone knew they were having a hard time even getting into the States. Like, 
You know, you figure they just cut him some slack, but both of them wound up making weight, no problem. I mean, just total professionals. Um, but huge win for Dan Hooker. Needed that after, you know, the lot, the, the really great fight, the loss to uh, to Dustin Poirier, and then that knockout from Michael Chandler. He really needed that, and uh, great performance from him. And then the most impressive thing I saw outside of the main event with Volkanovski and Ortega, the most impressive thing I saw all night was Marab Davishvili, his win over Marlon Marais. Marias basically knocked him out in the first round. I mean, he beat him up, and I thought Davish Valley was done. Like, this guy, he looked like he was out cold on the ground. I thought the fight was over. I think Marias thought the fight was over. I think the the referee was just kind of giving Davish Valley like, the benefit of the doubt. He was pretty much just going to – he was getting ready to, to call the fight off. And then Davish Valley just somehow – I mean, the guy is tough as hell – came back and won that fight. I mean, came back and not only won, won by TKO in the second round. That guy is a grinder. That guy has a fucking chin on him. That dude is a, that guy is a stylistic nightmare for a lot of the Bantamweight division. Because a lot of the Bantamweight division, the upper tier, are really, really elite strikers. Mm-hmm. Dominic Belly's grappling and his toughness is a big problem for that the upper echelon of the Bantamweight division. So, huge win for Marab Davishvili. That guy is incredibly underrated, and this was the kind of performance he needed. As I guarantee you, his next fight, he'll either be the main event of a fight night or he'll be on the pay-per-view in like a, in like a featured fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he got a $50,000 bonus for that performance, as did Chris Dawkins. That was one, uh, the Davishvili fight. Uh, that was one I saw the, you know, I saw, um, that the fight was over before I got to see any highlights or go back and watch it. So going back and watch it, man, I was, I was blown away uh, by the toughness, everything you mentioned. And he got 50,000 in the pocket for it. So like you were saying, um, between those two, Dawkins and Davish Veli, I mean, this is a big win of a night for them now. As they, it sounds like both will have some premier matchups coming out of it. Yeah, they definitely should. Like when I look at the Bantamweight division, let's see, let me see where he was ranked at coming into this. He was ranked at number – well, he moved up five uh, spots. So he was ranked at number 11 going into it. Marias was probably at number six, and Devosh Valley probably took his ranking. So Devosh Valley is now at number five – sorry, number six, moved up five spots. So, I mean, when you look at that division, you know, Aljamain Sterling is injured, the champion. They're going to do an interim title match between Piotr Jan – and probably Corey Sanhagen because Dillashaw is recovering from injury as well. So I'm assuming it'll be Sanhagen and Jan for the interim. Uh, the winner will fight Sterling, and then Dillashaw will fight the winner of that is my assumption. So it's going to be a log jam there with those four guys. But for Davish Belli, in the meantime, if he can beat Jose Aldo or Rob Font, he's probably the next number one contender after that. So... Wow. Um, this was a humongous win for him by beating Marlon Marais, not just by beating, but by the way that he did it. And I think Devosh Veli, he has a damn good chance against Aldo and Font. I, I'm a big fan of both of those guys, but he his his grappling, I think, could be a very big problem for both of them. And if he could beat either of those guys, like, I think of the, the upper-tier Bantamweight, Sterling probably has the best grappling, of, of these guys, but the stand-up game of a like Yawn and Dillashaw and Sanhagen, Sanhagen's got good grappling too, but but I think Sterling's is better, especially from what when they did fight each other and Sterling choked him out in the first round. But like 
the point is the Vomish Valley, if I think he has a chance against all of these guys because of his grappling. I think the hardest matchup for him is Sterling. Outside of maybe Jan, because Jan's stand-up is so good that Vomish Valley might not ever even get the chance to take him down. But um, but yeah, the Bantamweight division rules. I always talk about featherweight is my favorite, but Bantamweight is like, that's pretty damn close to my favorite weight class in the company. It, it, I, I give the nod to featherweight, but like Bantamweight's way, way up there for me as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, big. We said questions and answers coming out of it. Big questions for sure. The main card, some answers out of the prelim card all around, man. Great card, uh, top to bottom, UFC 266 in the books. The next time... We will see the UFC on ESPN Plus will be UFC 267, October 30th. Of course, headlined uh, by Jan Blahovich defending the light heavyweight title at Glenn Sclover to share. We're both excited to see that fight for various reasons. Uh, we will not be seeing Peter Jan and Aljamain Sterling. Just a couple days ago, Aljo pulled out of that fight. So we're still waiting to hear what's going on with all that. But that will be the next time the UFC is on pay-per-view between now and then. Don't well, you worry. That's actually, that's actually not pay-per-view. That's actually going to be free TV, but it's going to be is numbered it? like a pay-per-view. Yeah. It's going to be on like ABC or something. Really? I've got it listed here. It's on pay-per-view. That's awesome. The, the Blahovich fight. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the one, uh, what UFC, what is it? Two sixty-seven. Yes. Um, yeah, it's because it's happening in the, uh, in Abu Dhabi, uh, let me see here. Yeah, the event will be featured as a non-pay-per-view numbered event in the United States for the first time since 2011. That's awesome. Yeah, on the flyer, it literally says October 30th on pay-per-view. Um, <laughs> You're right. This... I'm looking at that now. It uh, it does say that on there, yeah. Yeah, um, that's awesome, though. Yeah, free TV main event, even without that other title fight, bro. That's sick. Yeah, for sure. So just want to let everyone know out there about that. Like, that's, that's free TV. Free that's... TV. That's, I mean, and it's because it's, it's happening in Abu Dhabi. They they normally just do the pay-per-view, but I think because of the, the delay and stuff, they were like, fuck it, let's just put it on ABC. Or I, I think it's ABC, so. Shout out Glover, man. We, we mentioned him earlier. We both, neither one of us thought he'd be back in this position, and not only in this position, but an audience like that for Glover to share. That's really cool. Yeah, oh yeah. We'll talk about that more when we get to it, yeah. but I, I'm, I am, that is one of my favorite fights of the year right there. I love Blahovich and Teixeira. October 30th, we will be talking about that. Uh, plenty of fight nights between now and then, though, including one this weekend, October 2nd, from the UFC Apex, headlined by Tiago Santos, Johnny Walker. Man, this card, if you look at a lot of people coming off losses, um, exciting matchups, man. It feels like this one, kind of a very hungry card, if you will, um, even if maybe none of the, the names jump off the page for some of the fans. Um you know, we're going to just kind of quickly go through this. I know we, we put a lot of meat into the 266, but um, with that main event with Santos and Walker, bro, uh, this should be fireworks. Yeah, yeah. The, there's a lot of really good matchups here. And like you said, on paper, depending on how big of a fan you are, this is either yeah. a, a card that you're not hyped for or you're really hyped for because – We'll just go. We'll just go down the list. We'll just switch off. I'll, I'll do the okay. main event. You do the co-main. We'll just switch off. So I'll I'll do uh I'll say uh, I'm gonna take Tiago Santos over Johnny Walker. I think he just I think he has more ways to win. And I have a hard time picking. I hate to say it. I I, I don't pick Johnny Walker anymore. Ever since he hurt himself doing the worm, I just can't, <laughs> I just can't do it. Um. So I'm gonna take Tiago Santos. Who you got in the main event? Uh, I'm with you. I'm with Santos. Uh, I just kind of said what you're saying. Uh, I like Johnny Walker, but I just my kind of my gut at this point. I think Santos gets a nice finish. 
both guys need a win badly. Yes. So, I mean, they should be in desperation mode. So it should be a good fight. Uh, uh, co-main event, at least listed right now, Kevin Hawk, uh, Kevin Holland against Kyle Dawkins. Of course, the brother uh, who we just talked about, uh, Chris, was it Chris Dawkins? Yeah, 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 the Dawkins brothers in action, back-to-back weekends. Also, the Shevchenko sisters, as Antonina is on the prelim card. But Kyle Dawkins, Kevin Holland, um, I'm gonna, oh gosh, I was on the Kevin Holland hype train until these losses this year. They were good losses, though, to good competitors. Uh, give me, give me Holland. I'm gonna, I, I, I wasn't gonna do it. I give me Holland to get back on track. Yeah, I'm gonna take Holland as well for the same reasons. And it's a big spot for him. Co-main event of a show. They still have a lot of faith in him. He has, he has his fan base, like, uh, a lot of respect from the fans for the, the, uh, you know, all the activity yes. over the last year and stuff. So I'm gonna take Holland as well. No doubt, the MVP of the uh, the COVID year of 2020, man, Kevin Holland. Yes. Um, what with this next one, you know, you got Oliveira and Nico Price. Neither one of us are big fans of Oliveira of the weight cutting. So, uh, who do you got in the match? And do you think, uh, do you think Oliveira makes weight? Um, yeah, I think <laughs> Oliveira <laughs> probably makes weight. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he's lost his last two fights, Oliveira. He's, he's sneaky sometimes, but this Alex Oliveira, by the way, that we're talking about for the newer fans who might yes. be talking Charles. No, no, no. Nothing but respect for Charles Oliveira. Um, no. Alex Oliveira, a little bit of a different story. He's lost six of his last eight fights. Ugh. Um, But he also, he's sneaky though, man. Like he wins fights that I don't expect him to win sometimes. Um, That said, I'm a big Nico Price guy. Like him a lot. Um, Like him as a person. I'm not an overly religious type person. I can kind of do without all the to each his own, right? It, when it comes right. to religion, but he, that, that seems to be the focus of a lot of his, his uh, interviews and stuff, which I'm kind of like, don't really care so much about hearing about that, but, but he seems like a really, really good dude. He seems like a very well-intentioned, just good dude. And he is an exciting as hell fighter. He can finish people with up kicks from the ground. He can finish people with elbows. He's got a wild style. I'm taking you know, I'm with you. Uh, big Nico guy as well. Excited to see these two go at it because of what you're saying, just how you can't really plan for Nico Price. Um, middleweight scrap next. Two great names. Was it Misha Serkinov and Christoph Jotko, I believe, or close enough. Um, yeah, two badasses. I'm going to go both. Again, both need a win. I feel like we say that every fight. Um, I know uh, Jocko's only co- coming off one loss, a loss to Sean Strickland, a couple wins before that. Um, I'm gonna go Jocko. I, I, I think, I think, uh, you know, nothing against Misha, like uh, coming off a loss, a lot of ups and downs, but I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Jocko. I don't really have a reason why, just kind of the gut. Yeah, I'm, I think Jocko is more likely to win a decision, but Serkinov Sir- okay. is more likely to finish the fight. And because I want to see the excitement, I'm gonna take Misha Serkinov. <laughs> No, yeah, I am. I'm hoping this one's uh, this one's fireworks. The uh, the last fight on the main card, which of course you can see both the prelim and the main on ESPN Plus this Saturday, Aspen Ladd and Macy Chiasen squaring off in the women's bantamweight division. Man, how you feeling about this one? This is a really good fight, and it's really important for the bantamweight division. Um, as far as like the rankings are concerned, Chiasen is ranked number eleven, and um aspen lad is ranked number three so mm. yeah so this is a, this is a big one especially for lad because if lad wins she's probably getting the next title shot unless of course shevchenko and nunez wind up you know doing their trilogy like we talked um chase on though like she's 
you know, she's looked really good too. You know, it's, this is a tough one. Uh, this is another one where like, I think if it goes to the decision, I take chase on. Uh, but I think lad has the, the tools to stop the fight and she's proven that she can beat really good fighters and finish them. So I'm going to take Aspen lad. Uh, I, I'm very curious. We haven't seen Aspen in a while. She hasn't fought, um, didn't fight at all during the COVID year. I think her last fight says 2019 December. Um, so that kind of, I, I don't know, that that makes me a little nervous. Macy's been a little more active, but not too terribly much active. Two fights in that time. Uh, because of that, yeah, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go with Aspen Ladd because of what you let off with. I think she understands the moment here, um, the stakes on the line. So, yeah, give me Ladd as well. Cool. That's that. And then there's some quick ones. I'll take Antonina on the prelims. I'll take Bash Cray on the prelims. And uh, that's pretty much... Uh, Joel Solecki versus Jared Gordon will be a good fight at lightweight. Um, uh, a winner. Solecki looked really good when he beat Jim Miller recently. Uh, Jared Gordon's looked really good too. I'm gonna take Solecki for that one. So that's that's what I'd highlight on the uh, the prelims there. Good stuff, bro. Again, uh, watch all this action this Saturday, October second, from the UFC Apex on ESPN Plus. Uh, we've made it another week, bro. Always a good time. I was so excited uh, to, to get to chit chat 266 with you, man. I'm very fired up for, for these fights again, man. I know, you know, we keep saying it, just a lot of hungry talent knowing they need wins this Saturday. That usually leads to really good fights. Hell yeah. Should should be a good show. Should be an exciting main event. Um, should be a really exciting card, to be honest. I mean, all five of the main card fights are, are very good matchups, so... Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to watching it and, uh, and yeah, most tell everyone where you can find you and we'll uh, get on out of here. Please. If you can follow me over on Twitter at Mo's K O B K. Uh, I've got a show coming up December 18th for anyone in the greater Southern area. Tickets will be on sale in the next couple of weeks, uh, over on Twitter. Well, I guess there'll be a link dropped on Twitter. So I should say that, but yeah, Mo's K O B K appreciate you as all, as always, Steven Jensen. Yes. And that show is KOBK sold out. That'll be yes. December 18th, correct? My man, yes, sir. Yes, so check it out. Uh, a lot of the match announcements Moses has been putting out there on his Twitter. It looks like a great card already, and announcements are still coming out. I'm pumped for it. It'll also be airing, uh, not live, but at some point on independentwrestling.tv. So, yes, um, we're, we're going to film it that Saturday, hopefully having it up by the next Wednesday or Thursday. Oh, hell yeah. So that's a quick turnaround. So, People will uh, maybe we'll be seeing it on Christmas, something like that. So, um, oh my God, I didn't think about that. That'd be fire. <laughs> that dude, that'd be a great way for me to spend my Christmas watching some uh, some KOBK sold out. So, my man, thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Um, if y'all want to follow me on Twitter, it's Fight Talk underscore F I G H T T A L underscore. Every Tuesday night, myself and Doug Bateman do a show called Live Rounds on the RVD Tito for Life YouTube channel. So check that out. We're doing an episode tonight if you happen to hear this on Tuesday. Um, so it's every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern at RVD TITO, the number four LAFE. And uh, and yeah, speaking of independentwrestling.tv, use code Fight Talk, F I G H T T A L K. All is one word with no space. Put that in the promo code spot on IWTV.live or independentwrestling.tv. And that helps support our podcast. So uh, please do that. Please follow both of us on Twitter. And uh, Moe, anything from you before we uh, get out of here? No, man. Thank you again. Watch these show this Saturday. We want knockouts. Yes, we want an exciting show. 
Uh, stay tuned to my Twitter for the stuff I got going on. I've been writing more lists for all things MMA. Uh, some more videos coming out on that side. Uh, more fight nights for Fightful. Uh, Fightful Select Weekender, you know, every Sunday, all that stuff I got going on. Once again, just all on Twitter. Keep it updated there. Our uh, twitch.tv slash fight talk underscore. Me and Moe's are on there every now and then, too, hanging out, watching wrestling. So uh, support the stuff that we got going on. We appreciate you all for listening. We'll be back next week talking some more mixed martial arts for myself and jumping Johnny Mosley. We'll be back next week talking some more MMA.